0: Hello hello and welcome back to Maple Flavor Murder. As usual I'm your host Joss and I'm back up. and today we're going to be covering a case it's a little hard to listen to it was hard to research it's a domestic violence that ended up in our victim losing her life. It happened in Ottawa in the year of 2009. So without further ado this is the case of Donna Jones. Before we begin, we just want to take a quick minute to let you know that we are not experts in these cases. We are simply relaying the information that we've received through credible sources, as well as our personal opinions on the cases that we will be discussing.
1: Our goal is to simply educate ourselves, spread awareness on unsolved or cold cases, and give the victims a voice. Please find our linked sources in the episode description. I just want to give a trigger warning to our listeners. This case is quite graphic. It's going to go into detail about domestic violence and the injuries that our victim, Donna, sustained while in that home.
0: Donna was a 33-year-old woman. She was a graduate from Carleton University. She had a job in civil services with the Canadian Food Inspection Agency. And her friends used to describe her as bubbly, outgoing, and an absolute sunshine. In the summer of 2005, Donna met this man named Mark Hutt through a mutual friend. They eventually started dating, and her friend's family slowly started to realize that Donna was slipping away from them. Her performance at work started to decline, and her friends actually started noticing signs of abuse, such as, like, bruises, overhearing phone calls with, like, verbal assault. Like, in one of the phone calls, I guess I saw quoted, um... Mark had called Donna and said, and I quote, and I'm sorry for the, the profanity on this one, but he said, you better be fucking home tonight. And if you're not, I will kill you. I will kill your family and then I'll kill myself. End quote. Mark used to call her to ch- a lot to check up on her when she was out with her friends to see who she was with, where she was, when she was coming home, almost in like a, um, like a possessive kind of way. And before the wedding, her friends actually held, like, a formal intervention to try to convince her, like, this is not okay, you shouldn't be with them, to try to convince her to leave, but this didn't work. It got to the point where three weeks before her wedding, her bridesmaids ended up dropping out of the wedding, but this didn't stop them, and they still got married in September of 2007. Two years later... In 2009, Donna had went from weighing 162 pounds to weighing only 101 pounds. At this point, she was wearing a lot of baggy clothes. She was wearing long-sleeved shirts, turtlenecks, up to her jawline to try and cover up any and all bruises that Mark had given to her. Mark was emotionally and financially dependent on Donna. She was successful. She had a great job. She was making good money. She owned a house, and these were things that Mark didn't have. It got to the point where Donna was ready to file for bankruptcy after she indulged Mark with his desires for a truck, an ATV, a snowmobile, and various other items. Hundreds of notes were found around their house of, like, saying that Donna was a terrible wife in one note and in another one saying you are my angel. Like, it's just, it It doesn't make sense. And I can just imagine, like.
1: It's such, like, a manipulative thing to do because it's, like, he, at the same time, she's, like, tearing, he's tearing down her confidence. But and then on another hand, he's saying, like, oh, you're amazing, you're my angel. Like, that's so, like, that'd be such, like, mess with your
0: head, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's pretty bad. And several months before Donna's death, She had oozing burns on her arms that appeared, seeming to have become infected. But apparently Donna refutes medical attention, which I don't think is by her choice, really.
1: But I mean, at that point, like, when you're with somebody and you become so dependent on them, or, like, you're stuck in that cycle you're almost like you don't want to go seek out help or even mention those things to other people because you're concerned about your abuser. Like, you're attached to them, you know what I mean? Like, you're bonded to them through trauma. And, like, if she was to go get medical attention, people would know that that's not right. Like, what's going on, ask questions, and then that would make the pressure be put on Mark. So I feel like she's trying to protect protect him him. by not getting herself help, which is really sad because it's like she needs to put herself first.
0: But at the same time, with the way that he would put her down and abuse her verbally, emotionally, physically, like, whatever way, this is making her believe that he's more important than she is.
1: Yeah, she, like, needs to be loyal to him because, like, she loves him. And if you love me, like, you're going to always stay with me. Like, it's, it would be so, like, a, a mind. Like, we mess with your head so much having those things
0: going on, on. I'd be so confusing. I can't even imagine going through that. Oh, like, girl. oh my gosh, it's horrible. On December sixth of 2009, 911 received a distressed man calling in saying that his wife was no longer breathing and that she needed medical attention when e m s got there, it was Mark, who was the one who opened the door and led them in their basement to show them Donna, who was laying on a mattress made of couch pillows
1: so Mark at first claimed that Donna had fallen into a fire pit but then later on said that he had actually burned his wife with boiling hot water 11 days earlier. He said that he had tried to treat her at home because Donna refused
0: to go to the hospital. Mark actually claimed that she was alive and talking three hours before he called 911, but the forensic evidence indicates that she had died up to 12 hours before he called 911. So I kind of want to take a second to explain the forensic evidence for time of death. So they will do this, they'll figure this out through temperature, rigor mortis, and if there's any insects around. So with the temperature within the first 24 hours, the core temperature will drop with time since the death, depending on the body mass, so like fat distribution and ambient temperature. And if the body is discovered before the body temperature has come to equilibrium with ambient temperature, then forensic can estimate time of death by measuring core temp. With rigor mortis, which is the third stage of death, the body muscles will normally be in like a relaxed state for the first three hours after death, but will stiffen between three to 36 hours and then will relax again. And with insects, so this is if someone's been dead for quite a while, This they can estimate the time of death depending on what kind of insects are surrounding the body.
1: All I can imagine is those EMS people going into the basement and then... Well, first going into the house and then Mark leads them down to the basement when he's telling them my wife is here and injured. And then they walk over to this makeshift bed to find him saying that, yeah, my wife is alive and talking to me, but she's actually, like, stiff. Like, I couldn't even imagine, like, what horrors they must have, like, felt or seen. Like, that's horrible.
0: I I feel like I'd just be, like, extremely, one, confused and two, like traumatized because this man let this happen to his wife
1: yeah it's definitely devastating
0: about 40 percent of donna had been burned thanks to mark throwing boiling water onto her and before this actually happened donna had spoke to several people including her mom on the phone but didn't tell them anything the Crown Attorney actually argued that Donna was protecting Mark because of a trauma bond, which we've discussed a little bit at the start of the episode. And Donna's friend had also made a third-party complaint to police the day after Donna was burned, but it was left uninvestigated until her body was found dead.
1: I mean, I could imagine, because I think I, I read over there that it was her, her boss or one of her coworkers that had actually made this complaint, and this was when she had called him sick for work. Which I can imagine where she'd seen kind of Donna change, like, over the time and show up with the bruises and injuries. And then all of a sudden, she called into work and then never comes back to work. That's definitely concerning.
0: Like, it's a good thing yeah. she
1: made that complaint because, like, at least somebody was trying to watch out
0: for her and were seeing these things happen. But the fact that it was uninvestigated, I believe, was a mistake. And this was the day after she got burned, which was November 24th and she was found dead on December 6th that is 12 days and um i don't know how i feel about that so during trial the forensics pathologist actually uh, testified regarding the autopsy of Donna Jones 29 pellets from an air rifle was found throughout her body and they said that it was most likely shot from short distance and she also had um Had them in there for quite some time, so they weren't all new. Some of them just kind of embedded in her skin and stayed there. And she was showing signs for lead poisoning, but it wasn't high enough levels to actually poison her. And this forensic pathologist concluded that she was likely shot twice after being burned. She had nine fractured ribs, a broken nose, two black eyes, and cuts and bruises and scrapes throughout her body. She also had what they call a caloosed rib, which suggests that she had earlier fractures likely caused by kicks. She also had a broken finger on her left hand, a fractured wrist, an earlier forearm break known as a nightstick fracture, which is caused by like when you lift your arm up to like defend yourself, it's the blow that hits onto your arm will cause that fracture. The burn expert that testified in court said that if she had received proper treatment, she had, and I quote, virtually 100% chance of survival. The burn expert testified that the chances of a person with the kind of burns between 35 and 40% of the body would not get medical attention is near zero and is unheard of. Mark ended up pleading guilty to a lesser charge of criminal negligence causing death but the Crown rejected his plea and argued that Mark was guilty of first-degree murder. And it literally took the jury less than a day to find Mark guilty of that first-degree murder charge on June 7th of 2013. So this means that he received the max penalty of life with no chance of parole for 25 years. So during this, he Mark tortured Donna for 12 days before she died was discovered that she had been burned on November 24th of 2009 and the jury heard a month of evidence detailing Donna's life of abuse and death from the burns that covered that 40% of her body. Prosecutor Vicki Baer argued that Mark burned Donna with boiling water and chose for her to die of infection after four years of continuously abusing her. The defense argued that Mark was criminally negligent, causing death, because Mark, and I quote, didn't want Donna to die and knew she'd recover from the burns. But the third degree burns literally were stuck to, like, her clothes, like her skin was glued to her clothes from the burns.
1: As explained by the prosecutor, Vicki Baer, it became an absolute house of horrors for Jones. Her blood was found, like, all over the walls, dotting places, like, specks of it found by the shoes and this in the hallways. There was almost nowhere in that house that you, like, couldn't find, like, little dots or signs of, like, abuse or, like, her being injured or somebody being injured at least. Um, so they also had found weapons in uh, the bathroom. It was locked shut, so they pried open pried it open, and they found two pellet guns and over half a dozen knives, and two of those knives actually had, like, red stains on them for blood. Um, All of Mark's stuff was actually packed up in boxes by the door as well, as if he was, like, ready to move out, which is
0: kind of foreshadowing. (laughs) So just to kind of go back on the pellet guns, the ones that they found were, like, kind of the kind that you like one shot and you have to reload kind of thing. And Mark did admit to accidentally shooting Donna in the knee twice. So like my question with this is like, how do you accidentally shoot someone in the knee at close range with a pellet gun that you need to reload every time you shoot it? So it wasn't just like a, oops, I shot you twice by accident. It was a, I shot you, I reloaded. I shot you again, and it was, it was an accident. Let's just call it an accident. And for his bags and stuff that were at the front door, in the living room, whatever, he explained his way out of this one by saying that he was threatening Donna that he was going to leave if she was going to continue to refuse medical attention. Which, like, you see something like this, you can kind of, like, you know, get a feel that, first of all, this person's been dead for more than, like, the 15 to 30 minutes that it took you to call in 911, get the EMS there, etc. And the stuff is, his stuff is all at the door ready to go. You kind of have an idea that this person is guilty of something.
1: And also like, my thing is, is that if he's doing all these things and is bothering packing up all of his stuff to get Donna to go to the hospital why not just call EMS earlier like you're spending the money on the ambulance anyways at like at some point like as he did like if
0: she's that ill I I can't I don't understand why he wouldn't have called sooner and with some of the reports that I saw from that burn expert that testified in court was that someone with that intensity of burns from 35 to 40 percent of their body they will not refuse treatment at all. Yeah, I seen her
1: saying that she would have been in such excruciating pain. It's in the, t- the court documents the when they testified. That's what he had said.
0: Literally. And it's not, like, with the amount of pain that she would have been feeling, it's not, like, she wouldn't have been able to fight off someone. So he could have easily, like, picked her up and drove her there, and she wouldn't have been able to fight him because of how painful her burns would have been.
1: Also, I wouldn't really want to do that too, it's not to her, though. It sounds like it hurt.
0: Well, I mean, girl, if you fall in a fire and, uh, you know, I'm not going to keep you in my basement for 12 days and wait for you to die of sepsis. I am taking your butt to the hospital. I don't care how much it hurts you.
1: Pick me up or call EMS. I don't care. Just get me (laughs) there, please.
0: Wait, didn't you like fall in a fire when we were like seven at your cottage? Yeah, I actually did. And like my
1: arm was actually on fire and I only fell like in the coals and like the bottom of the fire, so like I couldn't even imagine what Donna was going through. And even at that, like you best be knowing, I like picked my butt up and like ran as fast as I could to the nearest vehicle
0: and adult to get me to the hospital. Cause it was killer. Yeah, so imagine what you felt that night, like, over 40% of your body.
1: I couldn't even imagine. Like, I, I know after, like, a week. Would like, you be my, refusing medical attention? No, I was actually losing <laughs> my mind. Like, my entire arm was actually so badly burnt that it, like, the skin had bubbled up. And I had to have, like, a giant bowling pin cast. Like, I literally had a bowling pin. And I, I felt arm. that. Oh. I couldn't even imagine. Like, and that was, like, I think it was, like, third-degree burns. And that was, like, just my
0: arm. I could not imagine 40% of my body, like, feeling like that. I couldn't. Oh, my God. Man, like, I freak out when I burn myself with, like, melted cheese. So, <laughs> like, like... You called me last
1: week. Oh, my God, <laughs> I burned myself with melted
0: cheese. I couldn't do it. I, like, <laughs> I'll give her props for making it 12 days because I wouldn't have been able to make it five minutes. You know what literally disgusts me the most about this case? What? He literally had the balls to trying to apologize to her friends and family for what he had done before he got sentenced, saying that he was disgusted with what he did and stuff like that. Like, I think that is the most disgusting part, is you're so narcissistic that you won't even take responsibility for what you've done. You're just kind of, okay, yeah, I'm gonna get accused of this, so I'm gonna ask for forgiveness, so hopefully they'll like me again, or whatever. I find that is the... (laughs) Like I, I, this entire case, I find it's just, it's so hard to, to think about.
1: It definitely is. And I mean, it's not something that's new because throughout the case or through these events, you always see that even in the interview, he's always trying to play the victim or he's always trying to like be the hero, like watching the interview, we're going to link the interview in the show description. Uh, But he, when he was with the police, he was actually saying that how he had, was telling the story that he was making spaghetti for Donna because she loved his spaghetti so much. She loved his spaghetti to death and he was just doing that for her. Like, trying to say that he was, like, caring for her. But and then he got frustrated because she was saying that she was going to, like, cheat on him. And that's made him angry. So, it's like, he's always, like, trying to play the victim. Like, it wasn't his fault that he got upset like this. It wasn't his fault that he did
0: this. Like, it's the events around him that are making him do it. Like, any kind of narcissist. Exactly,
1: which is act—it's absolutely horrible. He's never taking any responsibility for his actions. And when he's apologizing, it's, it's just kind of empty words. And it's horrible for the family to have to like listen to that.
0: I have a theory with like his behavior. When I was looking into Mark Hutt himself, um, I found some information. I'm not sure how accurate or credible this information is. But I found that his parents got divorced when he was a kid. Because he told his mom that his dad's girlfriend was a good cook or something like that. And he grew up watching his mom, like, getting beaten and stuff. Like, he didn't grow up in a very, um, like, safe home, if you want to put it that way. Like, he, the things that he was putting out into the world and doing to Donna is things that he grew up, you know, watching. So, not to be the devil's advocate here, because what he did is wrong. And that's the end of it. But I feel like it gets to a point where, like, especially if you're growing up in that environment, like, you don't really know the difference, right? I mean.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially if you are growing up seeing those things and then you never seek out anything different or you never look for treatment or help anywhere else, it's easy to just say, like, stay in the rut and be like, well, this is all that I know and it's all that I'm ever going to know.
0: Well, that's the thing with narcissists is, like, a good majority of the time is they know that they can get help they're aware that there's something wrong with them but they're almost like too not cocky but kind of th- of the way that they are and they don't want to change
1: i feel like in any situation though it's easier to stay into your cycle than to do anything because it t- it takes it takes effort to change and to do better because you want it you have to want better
0: literally right? yeah. like oh yeah in changing and putting effort into it is a lot of work. I am on year six of trying to recover. And let me tell you firsthand, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. But it doesn't mean that it's not worth it and that you shouldn't give it a try.
1: Exactly. It's just a shame
0: that things couldn't be different in Donna's case. And if, you know, if he, if Mark would have went off and gotten help, she may still be with us today. So, to conclude the episode, We are going to leave links in our episode description regarding, uh, like, a trauma bond. If you believe you are in any kind of abusive relationships, we will leave links in the description for you to get help or how to go about everything. So, as usual, thank you so much for tuning in. We super appreciate your support. Make sure to check out our Instagram at Murder. We will be releasing a surprise soon for you guys. As well, our Patreon is up and running if you are looking to make any kind of donation. Uh, 50% of the donations made through our Patreon is going towards Crime Stoppers to help and keep that organization alive. And please, if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast, share it with your friends and family. We would super appreciate that.